Hello everyone and welcome to Drag Me Up with William King. On this episode today, I have comic book artist and man behind the logo of Drag Me Up himself, Dean Tripp. This was such a fun episode to record because I've known Dean for a few years now and we get into so many fun topics that have to deal with LGBT things, all basically talking about it through comic book stuff. This is a super nerdy episode. It's a little different than most because Dean is not a drag performer, so it's going to be a little different, but if you enjoy LGBT topics, if you enjoy comic books, if you are like Dean and I and think that Chris Evans looks fantastic with a beard, or if you just like the sounds of my silky smooth voice, then this is a podcast episode you do not want to miss. I without don't really have anything more to say before this episode, aside from let's just jump right into it. Y'all enjoy. So I just want to say to start off with, Dean, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the podcast. Hey, buddy. Uh, you're actually the first non-drag performer I have on this podcast, which... Well, don't count me out just yet. <laughs> hey, I, can, I, have, I know a lot of people I can set up to get that started, but... Uh, <laughs> It's kind of exciting because I've wanted to have non-drag performers on. Uh, that's even in the description of the podcast, even though the name is Drag Me Up. Um, I've wanted to have other either like allies or individuals who identify in some part of the LGBTQ spectrum. Right. Uh, which I've definitely considered you an ally for a long time, even before I came out. Uh, yeah. It was, I mean, I've known you for what, five years now? I think it was 2014 when I started showing up at the shop. Is that true? I think so. It was not long after I started school. Uh, Were you in college at that point? Yeah, I was, in, I was over in North Georgia. I started, uh, I went to the Area 52. Uh, and I went in just because I was like, oh, here's a comic shop and I read comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the, I think the first time I met you. And that was the strangest experience because... <laughs> It was unlike any comic book store experience I'd ever had, where the person there actually wants to talk to you. Yeah, that is kind of a rarity in some places. Uh, that I mean, but that's why I was always like that when I was running shops, was because of having had that experience of going into a place that I desperately want to meet people who want to talk about this thing that I love so much, and instead just getting... Back issues are half off, you know. <laughs> That's it. So. Well, like, yeah, I just remember, uh, like, immediately walking in, like, hey, I'm Dean, what's your name? And she's like... <laughs> that sounds right. Uh, oh, oh, hi. And then, like, looking through some comics, and, all, and but this is when you uh, still smoked. Yeah. And yeah. so I was like, hey, I'm going to go uh, outside and smoke if you want to join me. This <clears throat> was like, <laughs> so, so like a, a really convenient way to make friends when you're running a comic shop and smoking yeah it works um and I, that just kind of became like every what was it, i think wednesday we just kind of show up after classes and just kind of hang out and see that that started getting up into an interesting time because that was right during the uh, right before and during the presidential election oh yeah <laughs> so that's fun I was really hardcore doing lots of designs for the Bernie team, uh, like memes and stuff like that that would go out um, on the Facebook pages. Oh yeah, I, I, I know. Like there were countless hours spent outside that comic shop uh, and inside as well. But uh, 
just hanging out and talking a lot of, uh, I think it almost became more political and social things than actual <laughs> comic book stuff. Well, that is, I mean, the number one thing about me that anybody will tell you is if I'm thinking about something, it's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Like, you, you got to my house a little while ago, and I made you listen to a whole spiel about the MCU, so. See, that's what's funny, is I actually was kind of, was usually with these podcasts, I start, and it's pretty much, oh, we just met up, and we just immediately start recording. Oh, okay. I made so you go outside and talk to me again. Well, so it's a legitimate, like, when I'm asking, like, oh, hey, what's up, or <laughs> it's a thing, we're just meeting up, so I don't know. In this uh-huh. case, it's like, well, we've been talking for, like, half an hour now, I don't, how do I start this podcast? <laughs> well... Um, uh, that's funny though that our first meeting is very similar to today. That's actually what I was thinking when we were outside. It's like, man, this is really similar. I don't even smoke anymore. I just it's hot in my house. It's cold <laughs> this morning, so I had all the heaters on. Um, yeah, I thought like that's definitely. Um, I don't know, knowing you through these few, like you knew well before I came out. Um, when I was dating and then got engaged to a woman, which. Mm-hmm. Had I, you know, actually paid attention to your advice and not been a stupid 19, 20 year old. Well, you were lucky to have met a recently divorced, but <laughs> happily recoupled person. Yeah. So, like, I'd been divorced for a few years and, and realized that having married the person that I knew, met when I was 19, or, you know, was dating when I was 19, was a uh, terrible, terrible idea. Usually. Because uh, you're not done. No. You're not done growing up. Not you know? at all. And uh, the you that I met, and, uh, you know, like, I wasn't, like, telling you, like, this is the worst possible mistake ever. I just, I think what I said in my memory, it was just think about it. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I'm sure you said that just about as directly as you did just now. Mm-hmm. I don't remember it being so direct, but I do, like, in hindsight, remember things of, like, kind of, like, cautionary, like, sure. are you sure sort of things. I uh, think about this, buddy. Exactly, and I think those words were actually said. It's like are you, you might want to just you know think it over a little bit, um, and I didn't because again I was a either nineteen twenty something year old mm-hmm. uh, young male who obviously knew everything what I was doing was right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's hard when you're in that. I remember people advising me of the same thing when I was oh yeah uh, younger. Yeah. But it's like you you want to believe that you're the exception. And I think if you grow up in the church, too, it's it's really easy to buy into the idea that everything that's happening in your life is for a reason. The exactly. reason that's been put in front of you is the person you're supposed to be with. And like God has ordained this and you are, you know, set for life. And people who get divorced are foolish. And, you know, just all these bad advice that people give to couples. And it's funny because I was actually talking to a friend of mine about this last night, uh, or in yesterday, how different I was from then to now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not just with coming out and dating them, but um, with being this more confident person, of, mm-hmm. as he put it, uh, what was it? Like, you've gone from shy William, who went to football games and was in marching bands, to this confident person who goes out with drag queens and wears makeup. Right. He's like, that's a big 180, and he's not wrong, but... Uh, and I think that didn't just come with coming out, but just kind of came with experience. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, I think it's I've been oh, before this interview kind of looking back into thinking about seeing meeting at the comic shop almost weekly and uh, thinking it's like man, there's been a big change since uh, like that uh, 2014 when we when I first started showing up to now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I uh, I think it's funny too because <laughs> when I met you, uh, I thought you were cool. I thought like, this guy's great. He's a nice guy, but uh, I also thought I saw a lot of where I was at that age, mm-hmm. you know. And my wife thinks it's funny because I have, you know, I teach kids. I've taught every age group. I did daycares at my church, after school, summer camp. Um, I did. I taught middle school for a while. I worked at camps. I worked at nature camps. I just I always liked being a protective figure for kids right Mm -hmm. and then you know i worked in all these comic shops and so i'd meet especially the one right before the one you met me at the last shop that i managed before that we were right across the street from a high school so i met all these cool high school kids a lot of whom i'm still friends with dylan who's in our D &D group together what you know i met back then okay but like i don't know if it's just my emotionally stunted growth from like childhood traumas but I, I've always just like not seen kids as being, you know, different. I think that they're, they're younger, they don't know anything, and they mm. need your help. But they're still just people. Yeah. Like, the me I am now at thirty eight, and the me I was at twenty eight is the same guy. I just know more stuff. Yeah. You know, so I don't really tend to. Anyway, my point is, I I recognize a lot of good in you, but then I also just thought like, I hope. You don't make too many dumb decisions like I did. Yeah. That you have to like rework your way around. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I think made a few. Sure. Um, the engagement and subsequent fallout, notwithstanding, is the only <laughs> dumb decision. Right. Um, but no, I think I definitely made a few, and I think most people in that age do. But um, I like that perspective of kids being essentially not totally separate from older people they just are little people that don't know things uh, but i mean they're susceptible to learning and even as a 19 year old child uh was definitely had some things to learn and i mentioned a lot we met at a comic book shop but that is partially because you need to dive i totally need to dive into this more are a comic book artist and now, I mean, teach digital arts and as an after-school program. Yeah, uh, we started last semester in the fall, uh, which has been really good. I actually taught at their summer camp, uh, the teacher of this, like, STEAM center at the school where I live, uh, asked me if I wanted to teach digital art for a summer camp week of, like, STEAM camp, right? So it's all like science, technology, engineering, art, and math. Hmm. And like a lot of people leave out the art in that equation and call it STEM stuff, which, you know, that's fine. But if you're trying to sell it, getting kids hooked on the art aspect is so much easier. Yeah. Like there are definitely kids who are going to sign up for a math related activity. Sure. But you can grab a lot more kids with we're going to teach you how to draw comic books and you're going to learn a lot of technology and stuff along the way, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so we did that, but it was really popular. And so a lot of parents asked if I would do an after school program 
and it took me a long time to figure out how to set it up because I, I did want to do it because I, you know, like I said, I like working with kids. I like, I think it's because I'm a big brother. Like I'm the oldest of my siblings hmm. and uh, I just naturally gravitate towards that Dick Grayson, big brother of yeah. the Robbins role. Sure. And uh, I've been loving it. So we got it going and we just have the classes at the Steam Center, the school takes the payments and then pays me and um, so I'm contracted to be there and last semester we had 24 students now we have like over 50 and uh, every day after school that's impressive and at this point it's you're like a hero for hire superhero (laughs) like I mean have your logo like you have like t-shirt even t-shirt thing with it you are borderline artistic superhero well I think growing up with so many superheroes that matter so much to me, having the the thought, like I've always thought it was cool that one of the things superheroes do is they figure out what they're about, whether it's their source of power or their source of fear or what their deal is. And they just put it on their shirt and they walk around with it. <laughs> yeah. That's not really secretive. No, not at all. It's like, this is what I'm about. <laughs> and um, I've always liked that. <laughs> so... I've had I've made up um, I want to say four or five hundred hmm. superheroes in my time, uh, probably more. But this is the first time that I've had kind of my own company logo. Yeah. So like I've done, <clears throat> and I don't even normally I don't think I've ever owned like you know one of my big characters is Butterfly. He's an yeah. eight year old sidekick of a sidekick. I've never owned a Butterfly <laughs> shirt. This is, and also like when I named it, I was thinking like I wanted it to look like a NASA patch, so I designed the logo to look kind of like a space mission, and um, I wasn't going to put my own name in it. I was trying to think of a cool name, like Art something, you know, Uh, or Champions, whatever. Sure. But then um, I thought of the acronym, which would be TADA, which is Trip Academy for Digital Arts, and then I knew I had to do it, (laughs) I just call it (laughs) TADA. And uh, make it kind of like someone holding up a stylus like a magic wand. Uh. And uh, then you could do the extra Tada logo where it's like, it just looks like how they used to write NASA. And uh, I just want to wear it every day. <laughs> like, I feel good about it because it's, it's an it's a easily mentionable or hashtagable acronym. Yeah. Oh, if I could get, like, drag me up its logo in some way on a t-shirt, I would be wearing it everywhere. Yeah. Uh. Because again, that is I've been blessed by your artistic skill for this podcast. Yeah, um, that was a fun one to do. I'm see, I was funny. I was not expecting it to come together, but I was. Just, I remember I was like, "Hey, this podcast needs a logo." Oh, you're an artist. Uh, hey, I have a podcast that kind of needs a logo. It's called Drag Me Up. Do you think you can sort of help me find an idea? <laughs> and maybe an hour later, there's already the outlines of a sketch coming together. I was like, "Oh, wow, this is coming together more than I expected already." Yeah, that sounds right, though. In, in an hour, I can get you a sketch. It'll be like a couple of months before I can actually draw. <laughs> That's the Dean Trip uh, promise. <laughs> it's, I know with your Tana logo, I mean, I've got it on my computer. I've got a, the one with the kind of holding the style. It's like a wand on my car. Uh, nice. Oh, it's all over the place. I love it. Thank um, you. Yeah, well, it's, well, I love what you're doing. I think it's a great program. Uh, as well as the logos are just so cool and they're very eye-catching. Uh, 
I love the Tada in the NASA kind of style. Um, I think it's a really neat way of doing it. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, I like this. Uh, I think it's great that it's kind of having an after school program like this. Um, this even when I was school, I mean, we had an after school program, but it was just that, and it was just that. Uh, you go and you do your homework and then you go play. Yeah, that's what I did. I was in, we called it uh, Plus, and it was just like aftercare. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's exactly, it's just like, oh, we're going to have people just watch you, be- well, before your parents can get you. Watch a movie or go to the playground, get a snack. Yeah. That kind of thing. Which, I mean, that's fine because sure. it's a way to watch your kids, but I like this program and that it's, I mean, it's giving these kids, like, teaching these kids, I mean, how to do, draw and do art. Well, that's uh, the thing is, like, you know, when I went to school, so, like, I went to this school I'm teaching at now, yeah. and I graduated in 1999, so did I did stuff with computers, like, I was on the journalism team, and we had, like, the early Adobe programs on Macs, hmm. and, uh, you know, it was late 90s, so it wasn't too bad, the internet existed, you know, <laughs> so, uh, but all my art training was pretty much all traditional, I got a scholarship to go to art college, I got a degree in comic books. And then I did some, we had coloring for comics, which is all digital in Adobe Photoshop. Hmm. And then I'd been training myself a little bit with Photoshop already. But when I got out of school and I was coloring for some comics, I got myself one of the drawing tablets, like a a Wacom tablet. Hmm. And uh, within about a year, I could draw. And then within a couple of years, I transitioned almost all my drawing work to digital. Yeah. So for me, this is all stuff I learned in my 20s and then got better at in the last you know eight years or so. But the, the kids I'm teaching now are picking up these tricks and shortcuts and tools and abilities in third through 12th. Yeah. So like I've got third graders who can draw digitally and don't have any kind of hangups or weirdness about it. Like there's a girl who was in my camp and in my last class and in my current class and like she's in third grade. She can draw guinea pigs and oh, cats. Nice. And she's she's going to be, you know, an animator or something. Definitely. And see, there's something I want to ask you about uh, keeping in this vein of comic books, but also hitting on some LGBT stuff. Uh, recently, especially, I've noticed in comics, and I haven't read too many recently, uh, that more you're they're starting to either to like bigger like Marvel and DC both. They're starting to kind of like go back and make, oh hey, this character's like. Uh, <laughs> LGBT of some like either gay, bi, lesbian, whatever, uh, and part of me is like, oh man, this is great. Another like, it's like, like I know one that comes to mind is Iceman. I remember reading the first issue of Iceman's solo book, mm. and like his parents are at a point where, oh, we're okay that you're this ridiculously powerful mutant, right? But uh, yeah, I don't know about <laughs> you being gay, and part yeah. of me like, I'm glad, I'm so glad he's a character. And I like what they're trying to do, yeah. But I felt kind of like it was, okay, so we can get past the kid, the, the fact that your son literally becomes a being of ice, mm-hmm. but you have a hard time dealing with the fact that he's a gay man. Right. Which, you know, in some families would be realistic. Sure. But when you're, one of the things about superheroes is that, and like, I used to be kind of dismissive of people who would 
would be dismissive of superheroes as just like a power fantasy. It's just male power fantasy. And, you know, like, yeah, well, guess what? There are some males who don't have any power who need that fantasy to survive. Sure. Uh, I was definitely one of them. So when a defining personal characteristic is used as a negative in the story, it can be really hurtful. So, like, the X-Men obviously work really well as an analog or metaphor for LGBTQ uh, issues because it's, you know, something you recognize as you're growing about yourself. Yeah. Um, And I always love that about them. But most characters, something happens and it changes them. Yeah. Or something happens and it causes them to seek out power. Yeah. X-Men, it just comes to you. And so they're a good metaphor to use with that, but then... And, and I definitely like all the LGBT characters that are in comics uh, to different extents. But um, when you take a character who's existed and then reveal this about themselves and have this internal conflict, there's good stuff to mine there. Because in, in the X-Men story, Bobby <laughs> that re- finds out he's, or recognizes that he's gay and comes out, which isn't even like a choice of his. It's done to him yeah. by his psychic teammate. Oh, yeah. I forgot so about So that's that. not ideal. Yeah. He gets outed. Which, you know, is an experience a lot of people can relate to. But at the same time, again, it's what I think is troubling about it. And the writers and creators of this, I think, all have their hearts in the right place. Who are trying to make comics more representational of the real world. But the culture is so cisgendered and so male patriarchal that these gravitational forces are pulling even people who think of themselves as, like, woke allies... (laughs) towards accidentally reinforcing either stereotypes or conditions. So I think the writer of that story wanted to have like, what if it turned out that Iceman's been in the closet his whole life? There's a lot of interesting stuff you can do there. Yeah. Because this new teenage time traveling version of himself has recognized that he's gay. (laughs) So (laughs) there's stuff you could do there. And they did stuff. I'm not saying it was all bad. There's a lot of people who like these stories, but for me, it was like, you know, and I'm not gay. I just have gender identity issues uh, that become more and more complex <laughs> as I get older. But the uh, but relating to it as an outsider, as an ally, I still thought like the core difficulty when you're a writer is trying to come up with problems for characters to face. Yeah. If you make their identity the problem even though you're increasing representation you're having a negative impact on the people who read it that are that identity yeah. if you're not you know like if you're just like some straight white dude reading x-men and there's a gay character that's probably good for you to see a wider breadth of the world than sure. maybe you do in your or maybe you think you do you know <laughs> so that's good but if you actually are that and you're just reading a comic where being gay is bad for you, that's it's stressful. <laughs> a little bit. You know. Um, well, that's like in keeping in the vein of the X-Men, I saw they just brought in a new character, Shade, uh, who is a drag queen. Oh. Uh, it looks like a, not a super prominent yet. I don't know if it will be, but I thought that was really neat, especially in my experience of being around the drag community. Right. Uh, and it's been really neat. Um, 
because it's based off of a couple of different queens. Um, I, who I can't remember off the top of my head, and I'm sure I'll can ask some of my uh, friends later. Oh, I get it, because she throws shade. <laughs> yeah, the name, I, I'm not a huge fan of the name. Um, it's kind of, it, it's, I don't know, uh, this character could be very neat, but it's also very, very much a caricature. Uh, which, in a sense, is okay, because in some places, certain... Is that her power? Uh, I think her fan, like, she can teleport when she, like, clacks her van. Uh, she has, like, I'm not really sure entirely what a mutation is, mm. but I don't think they've gotten super into it either. Um, I've just, you know, been hearing some about it because of uh, being in a realm of drag queens. Mm-hmm. Not that it comes up often, comic books and drag, but... Uh, it is, it makes sense, though. Especially superhero comics, because it is, like, creating an identity, putting it on, having sure. a secret identity. Well, I mean, even, I'm actually, I'm going to a meet and greet with a queen this coming Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so it's a Valentine's Day thing, and uh, I was going out uh, getting my look for it, and like, it's very much, con- and I think it, since coming out, I feel like I would wear my little pride pennant, and it's like what you say, you uh, about superheroes taking what it is and then that who they are or vulnerability and essentially wearing it on their chest <clears throat> and doing that I feel doing to an extent the same way where even wearing my pendant not like it's big and blazing on my chest but sure. it's out there that mm-hmm. this is what I am or who I am uh, it's not the entirety but it is here uh, yeah I think there's a lot there <laughs> because I mean you, especially like you, you think back of the more vibrant costume superheroes and it's just an idea of taking off these normal clothes revealing underneath i've got this whole other persona that's more confident more capable has these abilities the other one doesn't i mean there's so much obviously built into it yeah and that's like i mean with this meet and greet this look i've got it all like the, the way we built it was from the ground literally the ground up we started we uh we're in little five points and found a pair of i think they're i think we call them go-go boots mm-hmm they're I mean, probably give me a couple inches on the heel, like that's where it all started. These feel like straight up like these if I were ever doing a superhero or heroine look, mm-hmm. these could be the ground these could be the basis for that as well. Nice. But it's kind of a cupid look we're going. So I mean, it's like I've got like wings and these ridiculous like knee high boots and like we're doing a makeup and like it's going all out. Like and if you told me, and I've said this a couple of times before, but if you told my younger self that this is what I'd be doing, <laughs> and I would have the confidence to do it, right? Oh, there is no way. Um, yeah, I think I was more <laughs> of a shy kid in a lot of ways as a younger person, and I don't know what's led me to being more extroverted and liking to speak in front of people and stuff like that. It's really grown over the years. Yeah, and um, but like just today my mom asked if I could come be Batman for her preschool class this week. <laughs> and it's like, you know, a thing I do at least almost every year for her. She teaches preschool. And it's a thing. It's a whole thing. I've got all this stuff that that day I've got to get turned into Batman. And there's days I feel more confident in my ability to do that. Sure. And so I'm, uh, I told her like, it's going to be tight that day, so I'm going to try. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a lot to do. 
I mean, you know, like you need time to get ready for that kind of thing. Look, I mean, I could be Batman for about eleven forty-five to twelve thirty, but right. I've, I've got a small stretch to be a superhero. Yeah. Uh, which I think it's uh, I've seen pictures before, like on Batman Day, uh, and things of that nature, where you've gone out as Batman. Oh, you seen my Batman costume? You mean? Oh yeah, I've totally yeah. seen the Batman yeah, costume. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's so great. Um, well, and and that shyness is like you know I was Batman for the first time when I was in like sixth grade, I want to say, hmm. and that time I wore like black church pants. And a leather vest turned backwards, and a black shirt underneath that, and some black gloves, and a fabric cape my mom made, and then this huge rubber Batman mask you could get with that had the symbol attached to it. Oh, nice! For the nineteen eighty nine Batman, so it's all black. So, and like I'm wearing normal clothes, kind of underneath. So it's like if I take off the mask and the cape, like I could basically just be Bruce Wayne, right? So like, <laughs> you know, there's this once all the pieces come together, and so with that, I felt. And the mask kind of hides your identity, so you feel like I don't have to be nervous about Dean Tripp. I, I can be Batman, you yeah. know? But over the years, like, I've been Batman a bunch of different times with different variations on the costume, and my current thing is, like, tights, you know? And I'm, like, the heaviest I've ever been, <laughs> but, like, I spanks myself down into being, uh, you know, not too much of Batman, mostly Batman. And, um, but it's the, the feeling of being the Batman of my childhood, you yeah. know, it's like Batman wears tights. <laughs> That's sure. just part of it. Well, I like that. I mean, it's, and I feel like in so many ways, like the kind of the identity thing of, um, even in this like look I'm putting together for Saturday, it's nowhere near what I would normally go out and wear, mm-hmm. but there is a confidence that like when i put this on that i've never had uh just in that like that i can go out as a man wearing this Mm -hmm. and like with a full face of makeup on and people aren't like the people i'm around aren't judging me in any sort of way um and i think that's huge and um and i just definitely there is a feeling of a little bit of being this of feeling like a superhero in costume of, mm-hmm. um, because I would imagine like these heroes, you have to have at least an inkling more confidence than you normally do when you put on the cape and the cowl. Yeah. Uh, I, I just feel like confidence comes with it. I don't think I've ever seen or read a comic book where they're like the most insecure out there fighting crime. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, takes something to put on the costume yeah I know. and you know that's a big characteristic of people like superman or spider-man and uh even batman it's like you go from one mode to a totally different mode where yeah. you actually are yourself that's a i mean that's a core superhero thing that sometimes writers miss especially they used to i don't think they do as much because there have been a lot of uh media talking about superheroes in the last 20 years but like you know the question used to be like, is Bruce Wayne a guy that puts on a costume, or to be uh, Batman, or is Batman who he is and Bruce Wayne's the costume? You know? Yeah. It's like, obviously, what I'm trying to get out here is that LGBT people are superheroes. That's, a, yeah, that's my point, <laughs> and they're fighting crime, and everybody should uh, be paying them tax dollars. <laughs> I and I mean, I'm joking there, but there I do. 
I do really feel there is a parallel in the... I feel like coming out stories almost feel like origin stories to an extent. Um, in that you're not changing who you are, but you're allowing yourself to... You're giving your... You're finally hit that level of confidence that you can be who you are truthfully. Because even before I came, I'm, I've always been who I am. Now I can just better express who I am. Uh, and the people I've talked to tend to feel kind of have that same feeling. So there's a comic book writer who's, uh, named Mags Visaggio. I think mm-hmm. that's how you say her last name. I just call her Mags. But um, she, we were talking about gender identity stuff couple months ago and one of the things she said is that out trans people she was talking about trans people yeah uh save lives because there's like so much so you know drag and trans are very different things yeah but there's elements that are interesting in both of them right and uh with being open about i don't want to conform to this structure that I've been told is what I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Being open with that and not caring as much if you pass. Obviously there's dangers involved, but um being willing to be who you are for the sake of the people who can't. Do you know what I mean? Cuz there's yeah. if you're you know out there's all these people who can't be who you're showing that it's okay. Yeah, exactly. And when everyone you know in their immediate circle may be telling them it's not yeah it's one of those you kind of in a way give a little bit of a sort of a beacon of hope that it is okay even if people are telling you it's not mm-hmm. uh, and I mean it's something I, we kind of touched on in my last podcast episode um, was that yes I I and even now, I tend to I, I notice myself identifying more as a gay man instead of a bi man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a gay guy, but I'm still a white man too. Right. So there's a lot of privilege there. Mm-hmm. It's there's some that's taken aback by being a gay person, but but when people first look at you, they don't necessarily know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, depending depends on the outfit I'm in and. Uh, if I've got my nails painted and stuff, then they might start thinking. Um, but as a whole, there's a lot of privilege there. That uh, the queen I was talking to was a uh, trans individual, mm-hmm. and so there's a. It's just, it's kind of one of those like yes, you may face obstacles, but don't. It's kind of recognize your privilege and use it to your advantage. I'm lost my train of thought for a minute. I'm trying to roll <laughs> this. Uh, it's, it's kind of one of those with being that beacon of hope. Yeah. Uh, uh, not only can you show people like that it's okay to be LGBT or uh, whatever way you identify. It's, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> but it's one of those. I think, it was, I think what I was trying to get at is that we were kind of talking about you yeah anybody any of us can be the beacon of hope it just helps the in kind of a messed up way that 
when you're a white guy who can do it, you're yeah. going to probably make the most waves. Right. Which is totally kind of messed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it shouldn't be that way. Well, and, you know, getting back to comics, I do think that's what a lot of the creators who go down these paths of trying to make inclusionary characters think they're using their power for. <laughs> so, you know, and I used to think that because, like, uh, I'm sitting here doodling while we're recording a character that I had envisioned as uh, being about a gay teen revenge story. Oh, I remember you first telling me about that. Back from the Dead gay teen revenge story. Yeah. And, you know, um, it was a person of color. And I was because the way I got there was I was thinking, what do I not want to see? What, what have our, I've already seen every white guy seeks revenge story, you know? And I think there's enough of that in the culture. So what would be interesting to me, you know, as somebody who mostly likes female superhero characters and um, wants the industry to not just be all the same white guy characters from the 30s to the 60s, right? Yeah. It's like so many comic book companies keep rebooting back to the same dude mm. that was made up back then. And it's like, well, we can make new characters. I like <laughs> legacies, you know? Yeah. So anyway, I was making this character idea, and it started off as a white teenage boy. And I thought, like, oh, man, like, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> so I was like, oh, let's just make you know, a black teenage boy. I'll make him a girl. Oh, she's gay. Like, and so I backtracked. <laughs> and that was where, like, and I'm daydreaming making up this story. And, like, you know, she's got this father who's, like, anti-gay. And, hmm. like, she's worried about being outed. And, you know, it leads down this path. But then, like... And I worked on this for like months, you know, for a long time and uh, maybe a couple years before it really sunk into me. A, it's not my story to tell. Hmm. B, I'm going to mess it up. <laughs> and C, the biggest one is if I'm just making this character's gayness the problem, which is why I was talking about earlier, really, because I was about to do it <laughs> like, a, you know, a couple years ago. Yeah. If, if you make their gayness their problem then you're not d doing a benefit do you know what i mean yeah like and if somebody who is gay wants to tell that story that's totally different it is do you know what i mean yeah it's, it's all the matter of perspective i think or who it's coming from there's a similar thing happening on the new season of true detective which i'm thoroughly enjoying <laughs> even though it deals with like child abuse which is always like a touchy subject for me whether or not i'm because i'm a victim of child sexual abuse so it's a matter of like whether or not i'm gonna feel like this relates to my story or is just exploitative of my story. You know what I mean? So sure. there's times when it can be really triggering for me and times that like the justice element of the cool cop. So my Hersera, Hersera, I'm doing it. I'm doing the dang thing. My Hersera Ali. Is that how you uh, say his name? Mahershala. Mahershala. Yeah. Totally edit that out. <laughs> so Mahershala. Hmm. Yeah. Mahershala Ali. He rules. And I love him. He was in Spider-Verse and he was so good uh -huh. as uh, uh, Miles' Uncle Aaron. But anyway, so he's on the, the show as like the main dude who's hunting down the bad guys who are hurting kids. And yeah. the way he portrays that, how much it matters, how much he cares, how he's focused, he's going to do his job. And he's also been through some bad stuff and like, uh, the wars, like still, so, uh, I think it was Vietnam. He was in. I'm not sure. Anyway, 
love that guy. It kind of reminds me of the way Frank Pimbleton, the detective character that Andre Brower played on Homicide Life on the Street, which is my favorite show in high school. Huh. Uh, the way he would go after people who are kids. So it's like there's there's that kind of like wish fulfillment. This kind of cop is the kind of cop I wish there were more of, right? Yeah. But the guy that writes the show, Nick something, he is just some white guy. And I think he's a very good writer. Sure. Who quotes Alan Moore all the time. <laughs> but he's a very good writer. And he keeps putting in these little things where black characters ask other black characters how racist this place is. <laughs> or have conversations with their white buddy about whether something was racist. And I'm like, Nick, dude, that ain't your story. You know what yeah. I mean? And I think he's probably trying to be inclusionary. But it's like, well, I'm going to give it more weight. If somebody who's actually lived that experience is telling it versus you trying to come off like you know what you're talking about. Sure. That's a very different thing. Uh, Inclusivity is difficult because I appreciate people who want to be inclusive and tell these stories. But it's I think it's better if you give that platform to people who are facing whatever uh, problem or issues at hand, whether like be race, mm-hmm. sexuality, gender, whatever it may be. Black Panther is a good example of that. Yeah. Because like uh, characters created by two Jewish cre- comics creators who mm. themselves have, are coming out of the worst, you know, modern example of anti-Jewish uh, racism. And so they're creating all these superheroes to help the downtrodden and the poor. And it's a very successful thing. And Jack Kirby is like, I want to make a black superhero there's all these other superheroes I don't have a black one yeah. <laughs> that's what he said <laughs> and so uh, he comes up with Black Panther and he wasn't called Black Panther at first and, but they eventually got to that character and because of a lot of interesting choices they made he ended up being pretty cool but then when in the modern era they want to reveal it to a modern audience and bring it into the MCU it's like let's get this dude Ryan Coogler who's been making excellent movies from a black perspective yeah all with Michael B. Jordan, and it's going to be amazing. So, you know, uh, totally killed it. Well, that's why, I like, with this podcast, I like to get people on to tell their story, because mm-hmm. I know I've learned more and more about drag in my time of uh, being around it, but I still, I don't know about it enough to, because I, I don't perform it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I'll go out in these different looks, and I'll wear makeup from time, and I'm starting to teach myself how to do makeup. Mm-hmm. But that still doesn't mean you're a drag performer. That's not what I'm going for. Right. So I like to have them be able to tell, like, have these queens on to tell their stories in when I am having episodes of drag queens, or in this case, like, telling your story and relating LGBT things through comic books and comic book characters. I like to have people who, to kind of talk about, like, the whole thing I do is tell their story. Yeah. Or tell the, like, tell their perspective through things that y'all know about more so than I do. Well, you know, for me, it always wraps back around the comic books. Yeah. Because of it being such a focal point for my life and career. But uh, it's, it's also been really cool that it's become this kind of common language for people. Like, I was Captain America in 10th grade for Halloween. Mm -hmm. People didn't know who I was. Like, legitimately that's, didn't know who the character was. I, that's mind-blowing to me. Because, I know, because we all live in the era of the Marvel cinematic dominance. Yeah, like, but you, like, you see the shield, and you know immediately 
this is Captain America. But I mean, that just wasn't the case. I mean, yeah. it really wasn't. Like that's, just and not too long ago. That's like, wild. Iron Man was a decade ago. You know, good lord. So I mean, it was eleven years now. But uh, the the pre even before Iron Man, people didn't know who Iron Man. I mean, like you'd see him. He yeah. had a cartoon for a while. But Iron Man wasn't. It didn't do great. No, and not at all. People liked Spider Man and the X Men because they had their cartoon. You know. Yeah. But Iron Man, the Fantastic Four, these were like minor characters, relatively. Yeah, they were not anything like amazing or big or. It's like for comic book fans, it was. But it's, yeah. I mean, it's just like Batman. Like Batman was a real joke to people outside of comics until the '89 movie. Yeah. You know, which. One of the things it did so well and made a huge impact on me was revealed why he's doing this. Like oh. on the 60s show, Batman just fights crime. On Super Friends, Batman just fights crime with his sidekick Robin. Sure. And then in the 89 movie, you find out that his parents are murdered in front of him. And he chooses to be the thing that prevents that from happening to other kids. Sure. And that's so good. And I related to that really hard as somebody who survived like a really bad trauma. That it was like, oh, here's what you do. You build yourself into the protector. And see, I think it's yeah, it's fun talking about. And I like these things, like in comics, you have the like seeing these LGBT people or in shows or mm-hmm. in games, whatever it may be. It was like that's how I slow. And because we mentioned we play in a D and D group, mm-hmm. uh, when I DM'd my group, I had my kind of player character to help guide because. None of my party, or one member of my party had played D&D before. Mm-hmm. But no one else had, so I had a pl- I had my player character that was part of the party to kind of help guide them through situations when needed. Right. Who, I actually came out through him first. <laughs> Subtly. That's so good. Because, like, I, like, and I... That's the thing about D&D is, like, you're playing your game and you don't really, you're like, I'm going to play this different kind of character. And it's like, oh, wait. All I'm and, doing is revealing all these things about oh, myself I was, that I didn't mean to. And in this case, oh, in this case, I was intentionally doing it. <laughs> oh, okay. I wanted to see how they would react. I gotcha. And so I would have them like, you know, we were hanging out in a tavern and would start maybe kind of like, uh, either like kind of flirt, being flirtatious with this guy, mm-hmm. and seeing how if how much my party would either notice and mm-hmm. care. You know, I was like, oh, if they don't react well, then maybe I'm gonna hold off coming out. Right, and if they react well, then maybe I'm just naive enough to believe that they'll be okay with me coming out too, and not just this fantastical character in my mind. Right, and here we are, almost a year later, and most everyone's pretty cool with it. Uh, That's good. Oh yeah, I just think it's funny. It's like it's it's funny how these games or comics and movies and things are platforms to either give you the confidence to be who you are mm-hmm. or kind of test the waters to see if it's okay to be who you are. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, Is it okay to be who you are? Yeah. Because um, that's people, like, some people, uh, as I was saying, like, my friend was talking about, it's, I like this terminology, it's talking about the new me. Mm-hmm. And then at first I was like, but it's not, I'm not the new me, I'm just able to be the real me. Yeah. But I have to realize to, other people who are not in my head Mm -hmm. this is a new me Mm -hmm. and i feel like that may be the case with like like a lot of other people um who are lgbt whether they be gay lesbian bi transgender or other Mm -hmm. uh queer identities that it's 
in my head, I've always been this, mm-hmm. but or at least for a long time. Uh, but well, to- and, and now once you've realized something about yourself, it like retroactively goes through your life. Yeah, it's and uh, that can be insidious if you're in the wrong path. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like if you if you married the wrong person. And then you're like, no, this is how it's supposed to be. And it feeds back through your whole life in your brain. Sure. And it's not true. But then when you realize things that are true about yourself or things that you thought were true about yourself fall away. Like, you know, if you get out of a horrible cult and then suddenly you can see your life back through the lens of like, oh, the me I am is still who I was when I was seven. Yeah. You know, I, I think about that kind of stuff a lot. I don't know. Like, ever since coming out, I've definitely kind of, been introspective and retrospective of looking back and be like, oh wow. You can see more clues along the path. Oh, 100%. It's like the end of an M. Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> it's a good way of putting it. Um, it's always like, it's always funny. I've noticed especially straight men tend to ask more than anybody, so when did you know you were gay? <laughs> and it's always a difficult question to answer without sure. sounding like you're joking. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, so many times, like myself and some of my other. Uh, LGBT friends will always be like, I mean, when I saw a guy and thought, yeah, I'd do him. Right. Like, I mean, it's that, really basic. That's the best answer. Like, that's the most, but all people always, oh, well, you're joking. What do you really mean? I was like, no, I'm being pretty straight with you. Like, when I saw a man and thought, man, he's really attractive. It really is, yeah. And, it's, and so, but people <laughs> are like, like, oh, well, I mean, but I'm a guy who will say a guy's handsome. I was like, no, that's fine. You right. can be a straight man and recognize a man is pretty or handsome. Yeah. It's when you take that farther. <laughs> And even then, maybe for you, you can still like. It, but it's it's so much person to person though. Mm. For me, it was wow. Those like and to be related in comics, see, like watching some of the MCU movies and like, especially seeing like bearded Cap, like Chris Evans need to keep the beard all the yeah, time. Yeah, that was a really dumb decision that he took his beard away. I don't know, like it's been seeing like I mean, it sounds funny, but like. Oh, that's a really handsome guy. Did you see the Super Bowl trailer last night? I did. I love that angry look he gives in that trailer. Uh, Just like I've loved the angry looks he gives in the last few trailers, because I've also been angry for uh, quite a while. Sure. Um, but uh, I do miss the beard. I do too. Uh, he looks so ticked off, though, and it makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing. I remember I was on my way to uh, one of my very first therapy sessions when the Infinity War trailer dropped i was actually already at the office waiting for my turn right? uh, and the infinity war trailer dropped put in my headphones like i watched it six times in a row crying every time because <laughs> i'm like an easy mark for crying in superhero movies obviously sure. but like bearded cap stepping out of the shadows is my that political was- affiliation it's probably <laughs> my religion you can mark me down as that being my personal identity <laughs> like that was that the was most relatable moment. I know, I was about to say, I felt like a lot of the angry Captain America, I feel like, is my... is America at the moment. Well, that's the thing, and you know, know, we are going to talk a lot of MCU this episode, apparently, but... Apparently so. um, One of the things that's been really weird about the MCU is the way they've kind of unintentionally followed the zeitgeist. Because you've got to start these movies before they hit. Yeah. So you don't know that Thanos winning is going to feel right in this moment. It's but, 
that's where they ended up. And it's the same for like during the Obama administration where like people, you know, love the guy, but he's also doing these like continuing this police state, these war things, yeah. these things that are drones that are killing un, yeah. uh, people yeah. who haven't been to court over charges. Those things are happening when Winter Soldier hits. And Iron Man comes out just as America's realizing how much of a, like the majority of Americans are realizing how foolish they've been in going into these wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Sure. And now we're 11 years later and we're still there. They've followed this, these beats. I mean, I was literally, I texted my best friend last night. I was like, if we didn't have 9-11, what would Iron Man have been about? Oh, wow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like they've, just from their influences and inputs, the writers and directors, and then fashioning the current world through the lens of these 60s Marvel characters, they've ended up having this very interesting way of talking about the current moment. With Civil War coming out in 2016, come on. That that was pretty great. Yeah. And I feel like I should clarify what I say, but Captain America, Angry Cap is the personification of America. I don't mean the populace of America. I feel no, like you no, can no. personify America, the country itself. Mm-hmm. Like, what... That is, like, patriotism given form. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I feel like America, if given a form to speak its mind, would be an angry Captain America ready to just open a can of whoop-ass on... To... Uh, like, or... To unleash its furious justice. Well, but that's the thing is, what's so interesting about these movies is they've explored when using power is right, mm-hmm. when it's wrong, how you don't know sometimes, how the consequences come back on you. Yeah. Like, how it tests your friendships. Like, I, I mean, I'm overly sentimental about these characters, but it is ridiculous how much they've covered and for some people, it's just like popcorn spectacle, guy punches guy. Sure. And for me, it's all about the relationships and friendships and, yeah, and like, the costumes, obviously. Oh, yeah, and the costumes are everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's just wild. and uh, I don't know if the MC, like the people at Marvel have just had some sort of, actually do have superpowers of foresight. Yeah. Uh, or not, but I mean, it's it has been interesting as you look back at previous movies as to when they've landed and what's going on at the time. It's no joke. It's crazy. So, like, all these other companies keep trying to replicate it, but too late. Yeah. So, like, they're not in the moment anymore. I totally feel like if there are any conspiracy theorists who listen to the show, (laughs) we're about to form a conspiracy theory. Kevin Feige has the time stone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Infinity Stones are actually Mm -hmm. a thing. Uh, Kevin Feige is the Sorcerer Supreme. (laughs) He's got the Eye of Agamotto. That's the only thing that makes sense. <laughs> Soon we're going to see him having Doctor Strange's magnificent goatee, and it'll just all—it's all going to come together. Uh, <laughs> but no, I think it's been fun. I've enjoyed how we've been able to weave in the MCU, and somehow managed to do very well weaving in comic books and LGBT issues <laughs> into one. But, like I said, superheroes and LGBT people, and we're one and the same. Uh, you know, we we fight the good fight, have the oppressors, and you have people cheering us on. Uh, but, uh, and obviously there is a joking in there, but I, I've met, 
I've met some L- like some of the LGBT people, and not to exclude, I mean, straight allies as well, who honestly have been like superheroes, like what they've faced, what they've been through. And well, how... and every ally you've met at least thinks they are. <laughs> so that's, Fair that's a benefit too. See, and you're totally not wrong <laughs> because it was when you mentioned uh, every straight ally who thinks they're just woke ally. Right. I was totally there before I knew I was gay. Yeah. I was like, oh, looking back, I was like, oh, I wasn't a woke straight person. I was just a gay guy who didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or refused to allow myself to know it. I'm not sure which. Uh, but oh, yeah. Like, so. And, yeah. So, we always appreciate those things. But uh, really quick, I do want to know uh, ask where people can find you, like on social media, see your art, things like that. Um, so all my stuff is linked off of deantrip.com. It's trip is T R I P P E, and uh, I'm Dean Trip on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Just find me anywhere. Fantastic! You can find them. Just look up Dean Trip, and you can find magnificent art like the Drag Me Up logo. Uh, and until next time, everybody, keep spreading the love.